Welcome back everybody to The Luke Beasley Show. I hope you're doing wonderful on this Friday. We have made it through another week of American politics. Lots to discuss today though, so let's dive in. Andrew Tate and his brother Tristan Tate have been arrested on human trafficking and rape charges in Romania. Human trafficking and rape. Absolutely vile stuff to be discussed um, and vile people in this situation. It was Andrew Tate, his brother Tristan Tate, and two other individuals as well. And of course, Andrew Tate is this well-known uh, influencer, social media influencer, former kickboxer who got a lot of mainstream uh, notoriety through his deeply misogynistic views and beliefs that he is uh, spouting off and uh, articulating to so many young, especially men and boys, unfortunately. Now, quickly before we dive into this story, the specifics of it, Yesterday, at the end of yesterday's show, if you're a full show listener on the podcast platforms or full show viewer, if you're a member and you get access to the full video version of the show, you remember yesterday we ended the show talking about how Andrew Tate got his rear end handed to him by Greta Thunberg in a Twitter interaction that he responded to with a pretty embarrassing video. Now, that occurred and we covered it. The reason why we haven't uploaded that as its own segment on YouTube is because shortly after wrapping up the show yesterday, this news broke. And I feel like uploading that video by itself without this news attached to it would be absolutely weird. And so we're gonna talk about this as well as the connection, a wild and unbelievable connection of these charges, how the Romanian law enforcement decided to uh, go about this and that connecting to Greta Thunberg again in a shocking way. Very, very interesting, but we'll get to all of it. First from Reuters, the brothers declined to comment on Thursday, but their lawyer confirmed they had been detained. They appeared in court on Friday as they awaited its decision on whether to grant the prosecutor's request. Prosecutor said that the Tate brothers had been under criminal investigation since April. Quote, the four suspects appeared to have created an organized crime group with the proposed uh, purpose, I should say, of recruiting, housing, and exploiting women by forcing them to create pornographic content meant to be seen on specialized websites for a cost. Wow. And then we'll look at uh, this being reported again in video form by Reuters. Controversial internet personality Andrew Tate has been detained in Romania. The former professional kickboxer has been accused of human trafficking, rape and forming an organised crime group. He was detained along with his brother Tristan and two other Romanian suspects. In a statement, Romanian prosecutors said, quote, The four suspects appear to have created an organised crime group with the purpose of recruiting, housing and exploiting women by forcing them to create pornographic content meant to be seen on specialised websites for a cost. Prosecutors said they had found six women who had been sexually exploited by the suspects. Tate has been banned from many social media platforms for misogynistic comments and hate speech. He previously said women are partially responsible for being raped and that they belong to men. Earlier this week, he was... And we'll get into the Greta Thunberg angle of this in a second here. So sexually exploiting, one of the examples I was uh, reading about with how this would go about is, for example, Tristan Tate invited a woman and made her believe that they were in love and that she should uh, come and be a romantic partner with him. And she did. And then upon arriving, these women realize 
That's not at all the intention of Andrew or Tristan Tate or these other individuals. And instead, it is through the use of threats uh, demanded of them that they produce pornographic content and uh, do sex work against their will. So that's kind of the type of story that's coming out of this that is so vile. Now, the Greta Thunberg angle. Yesterday, we talked about how he tweeted at her, and just let me lay this out and you'll see how it connects. He tweeted at her, hello, Greta Thunberg. I have 33 cars. So this is Andrew Tate tweeting at Greta Thunberg. My Bugatti has, and some specifics about his Bugatti, my two Ferraris. This is just the start. Please provide your email address so I can send a complete list of my car collection and the respective enormous emissions. And then he attached a photo of himself. And what he's trying to do there is say, ha ha ha, because you care about the climate, I'm going to explain how bad my cars are for the climate. And she responded by saying, yes, please do enlighten me. Email me at smalldenergy, but the actual word, uh, at getalife.com. A great response. And he felt the need to respond to that tweet with a video. And in it, this was his uh, response. I'll show it to you and then pay attention to the pizza boxes, okay? When the pizza boxes arrive, that's a key moment in this whole story. Release some greenhouse gases. I'm obviously a stranger to online controversy. It's not something I often do. But now, the mainstream press is commenting on the fact that... And to give you perspective, this is one day, if I'm not mistaken, before the Romanian police raided and arrested him and his brother. And he's responding uh, to Greta Thunberg. I was informing Greta that my very extensive car collection with internal combustion engines, which run on dead dinosaurs, have an enormous emission profile. And she replied by telling me her own email address. Greta's email address is, I have small dick energy. Why would that be your own email address, Greta? Strange. I mean, also I don't want to assume her gender. It's 50-50. So he's attempting to play it off like he's not absolutely devastated by the embarrassment that occurred on Twitter when an 18-year-old uh, woman humiliated him by uh, responding in a great fashion to his very strange tweet at her, at her asking for her email. And what I had said in yesterday's segment um, is putting yourself in a situation as an adult man where you're tweeting at an 18-year-old female for their email is not one I would implore you to uh, put yourself in. But we'll continue this video and we're coming up to the important part. But it is what it is. I'm not actually mad at Greta. Please bring me pizza and uh, make sure that these boxes are not recycled. Thank you. So I'm actually mad at Greta, right? Because she doesn't realize she's been programmed. She doesn't realize she's a slave of the matrix. She thinks she's doing good. Someone has sat her down and convinced her to try and convince you to beg your government to tax you into poverty to stop the sun from being hot. And then, because I called her out on it, the global matrix got this bot farm to like and retweet and all this bot commenting. To 
So you get the point. Then he's trying to say that the reason that tweet went viral and so many people were dunking on him for his very dumb tweet at Greta Thunberg is because there was a bot farm, a conspiracy to make him look bad when, of course, that's not the reality. But the reason why we're circling back to this in the context of the human trafficking and rape charges and the arrest um, on those is because the pizza boxes that he very organically asked, you know, it definitely wasn't choreographed that he got one of his staffers or whatever friends to bring during this video to make him look cool and bougie, um, getting pizza handed to him. But that, this stunt and this video that he couldn't help but to make to go after Greta Thunberg or to play off his humiliation a little bit is what led to the Romanian law enforcement knowing he was where they suspected him to be. Think about that. So Greta Thunberg just got randomly reached out by him, uh, ra randomly reached out to by him over Twitter. He sends her a tweet trying to make fun of the fact that she cares about climate change and humans effect on the ramifications of climate change. And that doesn't go well for him. It goes so poorly, he feels the need to make a video to make sure everyone knows that he's not super a butthurt about this. That because he wants to get pizza handed to him in that video leads to the Romanian law enforcement realizing, okay, that's a pizza place that is in Romania. Because before they raided his residence, they needed to know that him and his brother were indeed at this residence where they suspected him to be. And those pizza boxes allowed them to get that confirmation and do the raid. And that's why the raid occurred just one day after he released that video. So in part, Greta Thunberg, helped lead to the arrest and hopefully eventual legal accountability uh, being held to him and his brother because of her great response and her great handling of this very strange and vile human being. And she followed up <clears throat> their previous discussion with a final tweet that said, this is what happens when you don't recycle your pizza boxes. Because in the video, you probably heard him say, make sure these boxes don't get recycled to further that making fun of anyone who cares about our climate. So great job by Greta Thunberg. Horrible stuff with Andrew Tate and his brother Tristan Tate. As this process goes on and we get more information, I will update you if there's important uh, bits of information. But the general sense, and then like I said, more specifics will come out, is <clears throat> through the process of tricking women under the guides that they're coming to be romantic partners, they would get people to their place the, where they ran this operation and then forced them and threatened them into sex work. That's what was going on. Absolutely horrible. The House Ways and Means Committee has released Donald J. Trump's tax returns, long awaited, and now we have them. He's avoided this, tried to prevent them from getting released, and finally they are out there. Now, we're going to get to a video that he sent out trying to get ahead of this and tell his followers what they should believe before even seeing the tax returns. And we're going to take a look at that. And it's wild. He's definitely freaking out a little bit about this. But I want to take the weekend now that's been released today as I'm recording this to look into it, let some analysis play out and grab interesting parts, interesting insights before I report on the actual tax returns. We got the report on the tax returns from the House Ways and Means Committee, but the actual returns themselves, I want to have a little bit more time to comb through before reporting on them for you. So we'll get into that on Monday's show. 
but we already have Trump's uh, preemptive response to this, trying to get ahead of it, trying to tell his followers they shouldn't believe uh, the narrative that some of this could be bad or shine a bad light on him, as you'll see here. Before stepping into the political arena to save our country, I spent my entire life building a truly great company. Over the years, I've employed thousands and thousands of people. I built towering skyscrapers standing tall above the greatest cities of the planet. And from New York to Miami, from Los Angeles to Chicago, from Ireland to Scotland, and from Dubai to Hawaii, all the way to the Las Vegas Strip, I have created magnificent properties in some of the most spectacular locations on Earth. In short, I have achieved the American dream beyond all imagination. Most politicians only know how to kill jobs. I have actually created them, but by the thousands. While others use public office to enrich themselves, I left an amazing life behind to go and fight for the American people. And I'm glad I did it. It hasn't been easy, but I'm glad I did it. Sadly and pathetically, for the past six years, the radical Democrats and the fake news media have been trying to deceive the public about these simple facts. Now, in an outrageous abuse of power, the radical Democrat Congress illegally obtained and leaked. We'll continue with this. It's not illegal. Okay, the House Ways and Means Committee, part of their responsibilities is to do what they were doing and looking into the IRS's processes and auditing presidents. You were the president they didn't have tax returns for and couldn't understand the auditing process, so they got access to that information, and it's in the public's interest to see what's in there, so they released them um, for all to see. Every other president has been releasing their tax returns. It's not some horrible, unconstitutional, criminal thing as he's trying to make it out to be. To my personal tax returns, which show only that I've had tremendous success. It's been an amazing period of time. And of course, the reason why he's going with that narrative so hard is because the thing he's most insecure about is that this reveals he's not as good of a businessman as he's purported to be. The seizure of these confidential records was completely unconstitutional. No. There is no legitimate legislative purpose for their action. There is. And if you look at what they've done, it's so sad for our country. It's nothing but another deranged political witch hunt, which has been going on from the day I came down the escalator in Trump Tower. Although these tax returns contain relatively little information and not information that almost anybody would understand. They're extremely complex. The radical We'll figure it out. We got it, Trump. Democrats' behavior is a shame upon the U.S. Congress. This precedent must now be applied to the corrupt Democrats themselves. The new Republican House should immediately obtain the financial records of Joe Biden and his entire criminal enterprise. We'll stop it there. But that is so funny because not only is it a whataboutism, right? Oh, they came after me, or I guess not a what about, but like do what they did to me, to them type situation. But what's deeply hilarious about that is uh, Biden already released his tax returns because like every other president, he followed in that tradition. It's just you, dude. So sure, reveal Biden's tax returns that have already been revealed. That's not an attack at all. 
And I think that video reveals the panic he does have because what did he build this entire political journey on? The idea that he was an outsider, successful businessman, that his knowledge in building one of the most successful business enterprises in history is what's gonna allow him to run the country like a business. Well, number one, the country isn't a business, but a lot of people liked that message and he again built it all off of the idea that he was an amazing businessman as portrayed in The Apprentice. Well, at least preliminarily, what we're getting out of these uh, documents is that he's really not what he's chalked himself up to be. He's really not the businessman that so many people believe him to be. It's not to say some of the stuff is just normal uh, wiggling out of taxes and that's why it looks like he didn't pay a lot in certain um, tax years. Some of that's normal. Other stuff that's being looked at and as i said i'll have more on on monday definitely reveals he was in uh, financial hardship more than he would ever want people to recognize and so that video there you can see he's kind of panicking about his whole brand being broken down by these tax returns which makes sense that he would feel that way otherwise uh, if not why else would he have been preventing them from coming out for so long why was this so important to him uh, that they don't get released to the public because there's stuff in them that he doesn't want the public to see. Vladimir Putin, in a video conference or chat with Xi Jinping, of course, president of China, pledged their support to one another and further the uh, partnership they've had through this Russian invasion of Ukraine. And Xi Jinping is walking a fine line where he's not going to be completely supportive and give a bunch of aid to Russia because that could cause him to get a bunch of sanctions and China to get a bunch of sanctions from the rest of the world. But he also likes the precedent to be set of authoritarian powers being able to take over territories that they would like to. Here from Bloomberg, Vladimir Putin and Chinese President Xi Jinping hailed deepening ties between their countries in talks Friday, despite signs of Beijing's impatience over the wider political and economic impact of Russia's struggling invasion of Ukraine. Russia-China ties are the best in history, and their strategic partnership is a stabilizing factor amid rising geopolitical tensions. The Russian president said in the video call, Russia would seek to strengthen military cooperation with China, he said. Xi thanked Putin for sending a message of congratulations after a Congress of China's ruling Communist Party in October that handed him a precedent-defying third term in power. China stood ready to expand the strategic partnership, Xi said. Their end-of-year call, uh, the first talk since Xi and Putin met in person in Uzbekistan in September, underscores Moscow's deepening dependence on Beijing. Putin calls Xi dear friend during a portion of the meeting that was televised, and the Chinese leader responded, Similarly, the nation started the year with a joint declaration of no, a no limits partnership at a February summit, and it goes on from there. Here's an interesting portion of this um, discussion where Putin brings up the issue of Xi Jinping coming to Moscow, come for a state visit, which is, of course, a sign of support when two leaders appear together and shake hands and smile and all of that in this moment. In the context of growing geopolitical tensions, the importance of the Russian-Chinese strategic partnership as a stabilizing factor is growing. 
Our relations overcome all the hardships with dignity, demonstrate maturity and stability, and continue to expand dynamically. In the coming year, intensive bilateral exchanges will continue. I have no doubt that we will find an opportunity to meet with you in person. We are waiting for you, dear Mr. Chairman, dear friend, next spring with a state visit to Moscow. And of course, a special place in the... So you can see they're very cozy, very supportive. And for me, this is interesting because it comes down to a couple things for China. Number one, as I said, setting that precedent. Modern moment, authoritarian power trying to take over and occupy a territory. And uh, for China, that's uh, Taiwan. Now, the second thing is just generally, China has an interest or believes that they have an interest in a weaker Western countries in a weaker United States, weaker NATO allies. And so this could help to do that. And rooting on, we'll say, if we want to use that phrasing, Russia in this situation benefits them in those two ways and in their minds could weaken the United States while the United States attempts to help Ukraine. But also Xi Jinping can't go too far and cause China to get a lot of backlash in actually giving a whole lot of support that would trigger that backlash. What's interesting th though, and the last thing I'll add to this, is China and Russia are not long-term partners. They're not going to be buddy-buddy for a super long time. Right now it's advantageous, but they're both aware that eventually they're going to have to stab each other in the back because their interests also conflict significantly. And if this partnership continues for the purpose of this moment, it'll be interesting to see how it falls apart later. Kaylee McEnany has been called a liar and opportunist by a former Trump staffer, communications uh, related staffer, who testified in front of the January 6th Select Committee and revealed this information. We all knew it, but she's saying, as someone who worked for Trump, she was aware of Kaylee McEnany's dishonesty um, and opportunism as well. So, Let's get into the specifics from The Guardian. Very interesting stuff. Of course, Kayleigh McEnany was uh, Trump's White House press secretary and very well known for her dishonest uh, conveyance of different topics. Here, Kayleigh McEnany, Donald Trump's final White House press secretary, is a liar and an opportunist, according to testimony to the House January 6th committee by Alyssa Farah Griffin, formerly communications director to Trump. In testimony released on Thursday, Griffin was asked where McEnany fell after the 2020 election. Quote, either, hey, we lost, let's gracefully exit, versus let's facilitate the big lie that Trump's defeat by Joe Biden was caused by electoral fraud. And then Griffin says, I'm a Christian woman, so I will say this, Kelly is a liar and an opportunist. McEnany, who became a Fox News host after leaving the White House, did not immediately respond. Griffin now works for ABC. She also says McEnany was a smart woman and not an idiot. She knew we lost the election, but she made a calculation that she wanted to have a certain life post-Trump that required staying in his good graces. And that was more important to her than telling the truth to the American public. So we knew this again about Kayleigh McEnany, but Alyssa Griffin, Alyssa Farr Griffin, is saying the same thing. And it's interesting because you always wonder, sort of, I think we knew with um, Kayleigh McEnany specifically, but you do wonder with people generally when they lie, especially 
in the case of the big lie or the election lies that Trump was telling, do they genuinely believe this in any sense? Or are they just saying it because it's politically advantageous in that moment, or they don't want to tick off Trump or whatever it might be, tick off the base. And for so many of them, almost all of them, it's just because in that moment, it's the most politically advantageous. And that's what it comes down to. They're afraid of Trump. They're afraid of the base. For Kayleigh McEnany, she knew if she got the entire Trump base mad, she wasn't going to get that cushy Fox News job afterwards that she ended up getting. And so it really is that simple for so many of these individuals. And it's sad for the state of our democracy that so many people would rather sacrifice our democracy and get a good job then maybe sacrifice the job and keep our democracy intact. That's really unfortunate and an indictment on the morality of so many of these people. So Kayleigh McEnany, another one who has shown to be not just someone who spread lies, but also someone who knew they were spreading lies and did it anyway. Another interesting aspect of the final January 6th select committee uh, report that has now been released is the way that Donald Trump Jr. played into this. And we'll look at in this segment both Donald Trump Jr. and Lindsey Graham and different roles that they played in all of this in the attempts to overturn the 2020 election, absolutely declaring war on our democratic process in an unbelievable fashion. Both of these bits of insight uh, were nicely reported by this CNN correspondent or host as you'll see here. First, let's start with Donald Trump Jr. Before any new details, let me share some things that stood out to me. First, let's talk about some of these text messages from the former president's son, Donald Trump Jr. There's one text message on November 5th, and it's from Donald Trump Jr. to then White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. And it lays out a plan, a way to keep his father in power by subverting the electoral process. And what's significant is that the plan that he shares and outlines is almost identical to the one that was adopted by the former president and his allies in the months that follow. Now, Trump said he was not the original architect of this plan. He can't even remember who sent it to him. But he said he wanted to share this specific idea with Meadows because he said it was, quote, the most sophisticated and detailed and that it sounded plausible. Now, initially, Meadows didn't respond or engage uh, in this text message exchange. But when Trump followed up, Meadows said much of this had merit working on this for Pennsylvania, Georgia and North Carolina already. So previous to now, I wasn't aware that Donald Trump Jr. was this intimately involved in the planning and concocting of these ideas to overthrow our democratic process. And so you can add Donald Trump Jr. to the list of people who, in his case, favored the power of his father over the legitimacy and health strength of our democracy. It is so wild. We've covered so many of these stories, but every time that I am reconfronted with this information, I'm shocked by the sheer anti-democratic uh, intentions of so many people who genuinely wanted a non-military coup to keep Trump the president despite losing over, they, they wanted that over our democracy to keep functioning as it was intended to. It is so wild. Second element of this I want to take a look at, Lindsey Graham also is having some information revealed about him and his involvement in all this. And this little nugget's interesting because it was Lindsey Graham asking for evidence that didn't exist, he hadn't got his hands on yet. Just give me five examples of illegal or dead people voting. 
That was a claim they kept going with. We have proof that millions of dead people voted. And what they mean by that is people use the names of dead voters to vote fraudulently for Joe Biden. And Lindsey Graham is begging those around Trump, just give me something and I'll go run with it. Give me five examples of dead people voting and I'll go run with it. I want to lie on your behalf, but just give me something I can point to, which shows you how little evidence they really had because he couldn't find the information that kept being uh, touted. Take a look. Now, also notable from these transcripts, several high profile politicians wanting to help push these false claims about voter fraud. For example, Senator Lindsey Graham. We learned about his efforts in the transcript from the former president's lawyer, Christina Bob. She testified that Lindsey Graham told, again, Mark Meadows, that Graham would become a champion of the president's fraud claims. All he needed was, quote, five dead voters. She recalls he said, Give me, you know, an example of illegals voting. Just give me a very small snapshot that I can take and champion. And this exchange, Wolf, came just a few days before January 6th. But it so, okay, it's so interesting because in the moment and then for years now following the build up to January 6th, all the lies and all the time after and all the attempts to overthrow the democratic process, we talked about how they didn't have evidence. And we said, they have to know they don't have evidence because they keep making claims without providing the evidence. If they had it, they would just let the evidence speak for itself, throw it out in the public, and then follow that up with explanations and claims. Instead, they had all the claims and all the stories of election fraud without any evidence to back it up. And you see here, Lindsey Graham, as he's trying to support Trump in this effort, is saying, just give me something. You're saying millions of dead people voted, millions of illegal people voted, um, you know, illegal votes were cast. And I guess they were saying undocumented immigrants were voting out the wazoo. If you have examples of that, give it to me. And clearly they didn't give it to him because we didn't have Lindsey Graham on television showing us this evidence that he would have gotten. It is so clear, it is so blatant in just how dishonest they were being the whole time because behind the scenes they were frantically asking for evidence that they didn't yet have. I want to talk about one last element today uh, in regard to the January 6th Select Committee's final report. And um, if you're wondering why the media all of a sudden is talking again about the January 6th Select Committee, it's because they finally released their final report that they've been making for a very long time, putting together evidence and testimonies and all different things to paint a clear picture of Trump's wrongdoing, the buildup to January 6th, January 6th itself, and all of Trump's attempts to stay in power despite losing. So now we get to dive into it and uh, learn a lot about that very important time in American history, a president trying to stay president despite losing the election. With that being said, the last thing I want to talk about today in regard to this uh, report is also coming from Alyssa Fair uh, Griffin's testimony. And she actually revealed that before the now notorious putting bleach inside the body moment from Trump, where he's spitballing about different ideas he has to combat COVID, and he says stuff about UV uh, light and then disinfectant going into the lungs, and it's just a disaster. And it's very notorious now for how much it reveals his lack of knowledge and his lack of leadership in this moment. And she talked about how she really didn't want that to happen and almost predicted that it would if a certain discussion happened before he went out 
and it ended up happening. She was trying to prevent that discussion from happening and it prompted him to say what he said. We'll get into the specifics of that in a second, but in case you somehow missed this or want to see it again, here is the moment being referred to where Trump uh, shares his ideas for how COVID should really be addressed. Supposing we hit the body with a tremendous, uh, whether it's ultraviolet or just very powerful light, and I think you said that hasn't been checked, but you're going to test it. And then I said, supposing you brought the light inside the body, you can, which you can do either through the skin or uh, in some other way. And I think you said you're going to test that, too. Sounds interesting. We'll the right, folks who could. right. And then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or or almost a cleaning? Because you see it gets on the lungs and it does a tremendous number of the lungs. So it'd be interesting to check that so that you so putting disinfectant into the lungs, not the best moment, I would uh, venture to say. Well, here from Mediate reporting on Alyssa Farah Griffin's account of the build-up to this, former President Donald Trump was the subject of countless headlines, jokes, and memes after an April 2020 briefing of the White House Coronavirus Task Force, where he suggested battling COVID-19 by injecting UV light or disinfectants. Former White House Communications Director Alyssa Farah Griffin said she tried to stop that infamous moment from happening, but was blocked by Trump's Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. This information came in Griffin's April 15, 2022 interview with the House Select Committee investigating the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol, one of several transcripts the committee released on Thursday. Griffin described her tenure at the Trump White House as a wild eight months, dealing with everything from the COVID-19 pandemic to the Trump White House's notorious lack of structure and inexperienced staffers in key positions. One serious and ongoing problem, according to Griffin, was a lack of organization or anyone to serve as a competent gatekeeper to keep harmful or unhelpful information from getting to Trump. And we're going to get to the disinfectant moment, but first, this is also super interesting. Representative Matt Gates bringing the president a folder containing a conspiracy theory accusing morning Joe host Joe Scarborough of murdering his former congressional staffer and Trump tweeting about it shortly thereafter was one anecdote Griffin offered of the chaos of the Trump White House. Another example of Griffin, uh, another example Griffin gave was the coronavirus task force meeting that led to the injecting bleach comment that was made on national television. According to Griffin, some folks from Fort Detrick the location of an Army Medical Research Institute and DHS had briefed Vice President Mike Pence on some still developing research showing the coronavirus response under various heat, light, and humidity specifically that it seemed to decay more quickly when exposed to ultraviolet light from the sun. Pence thought this was interesting, thought this is interesting, and Trump should be briefed on it, but Griffin objected. Here from this uh, testimony. I tried to stop it outside of the Oval Office because I knew the president was willing to go on national television, have not been able to properly digest what the report was indicating and say something stupid or dangerous to the public. And I went to Mark Meadows and I said, sir, this is going to blow up in our faces. He's not ready. Like, what are we encouraging? Are we saying, you know, go buy a humidifier? Do we want to put a run on humidifiers or turn your heat up to 95 degrees? Like it just didn't make any sense. And Meadows overruled me and we got the injecting bleach thing. So what is being said there? Research was being done into the science of coronavirus. 
And it is true, as we see with a lot of different things, that sometimes viruses are killed by something like ultraviolet light. Does that mean you should put ultraviolet light into your body? No, it does not. Does it mean you should inject bleach into your bloodstream or your lungs? No, it does not. And so Alyssa Farrah-Griffin there um, keeps wanting to force or, or uh, implore those around Trump to be more of a gatekeeper, to not just say a bunch of stuff to Trump and let him process it however he wants, because as she indicated, he's not going to be able to distill that into information that is valuable to the American public. He's just going to kind of say a bunch of random mumbo jumbo and confuse people and say dangerous things that could get people hurt. Because if you're a hardcore MAGA person and Trump the genius is the very stable genius is telling you to inject bleach into your body or is saying it may work to get a little hand sanitizer and uh, sniff it into your lungs or something of the sort. You may have people trying that out and um, that's very dangerous and we don't want people doing that and only the best medical information, scientific information should be put on national television in that type of situation. And so Alyssa Farrah Griffin recognized that. Apparently, Mark Meadows didn't recognize that. And because of, uh, because of it, we got that moment that is now so notorious and so representative of the Trump White House. More information coming out about George Santos just keeps coming. He has likely been using his campaign funds in illegal ways. Now, we will see investigations are going on now. I'm not saying a particular thing happened, but I'll give you the information and we'll see how it moves forward through the legal process. But this is just the story that will not stop. Every single time I think, all right, this one, it's concluded. We're going to wait to see if he resigns, but that's kind of the extent of the story now because of how many things have been exposed. More comes out about George Santos. It is truly stunning. From the New York Times, Santos, a suburban house and $11,000 in campaign payments for rent. The company was called Cleaner123, and over the course of four months, it received nearly $11,000 from the campaign of George Santos, the representative-elect from New York who appears to have invented whole swaths of his life story. The expenditures were listed as apartment rental for staff on Mr. Santos' campaign disclosure forms and gave the address of a modest suburban house on Long Island. But one neighbor said Mr. Santos himself had been living there for months, and two others said they had seen Mr. Santos and his husband coming and going, a possible violation of the rule prohibiting the use of campaign funds for personal expenses. The travel expenses include more than $40,000 for air travel, a number so exorbitant that it resembles the campaign filings of party leaders in Congress, as opposed to a newly elected congressman who is still introducing himself to local voters. Which is a great point. If you're running for Congress, and you live in your district, and you should be campaigning in your district because those are the people who are going to vote you into office. What on earth are you needing to spend your campaign dollars on $40,000 of air travel for? That makes no sense. Now, if you're someone, a presidential candidate, and you're constantly flying all over the place to campaign, that's one thing. But a congressional candidate, when you should be in your local area the whole time, maybe a good bit of gas money, but not $40,000 of air travel expenses. So again, I say, we'll let the investigation play out. I don't know for sure that anything in particular took place that was illegal, but they'll hopefully uncover that if it did indeed happen. And with what we now know about George Santos, it would wholly fit in 
to his uh, character. That is absolutely the character that we now know about him. Paying $11,000 in rent for his own living, which you're not supposed to be doing with your campaign dollars, or taking himself on lavish trips wherever he wants to go and covering that all with his campaign dollars. Just scamming, scamming, scamming the American people, his to-be constituents in so many different ways, starting with the lies and ending with uh, using their money for inappropriate things. Absolutely wild. We'll see if this is proven to be a crime. I have for you a clip of a QAnon supporter or now former QAnon supporter that is so wild and stunning and sad because it reveals just how much of a cult so many people in the United States are in. We remember the polling that came out revealing just how many people in the United States believe an element of the QAnon conspiracy, if not the entire thing. And we now have an example of an individual who's fed up with QAnon, not for the good reason, not because she realized, and we'll get to this clip in a second, that it's all bogus, that she's being lied to. No, because she didn't feel like she was treated right and wasn't being taken seriously on some of her, I don't know, some of the information she was trying to pass along to QAnon leaders. They weren't hearing her out enough, and that's why she's mad, as you'll see here. Now, because there's so much cult lingo in this, I honestly can't depict some of what she's saying. I don't get some of what she's saying because it's so wrapped up in um, her community jargon. But you can definitely pick on, up on the unhinged and just unwell nature of the beliefs that she has, the situation she's in. And it's actually really sad. And I don't know how, but we need to prioritize uh, in this country preventing is the best way, but then also pulling people out of this cult thinking because it's dangerous and it's damaging to their lives. Look how sad as we watch this, this individual is and how terrified she seems of the world. Roll the camera. There are a lot of orbs here right now. But I don't know what that means. I don't know what any of this means. And at one point she says, get out of my house. I don't know if she means get out of my house in a metaphorical sense, but I, I and maybe it looks she's like on a chat, maybe she's listening to people on a Zoom type chat where she can see people. She's live streaming and she can see what people are saying to her because she keeps shouting at uh, people, calling them orbs. Roll the camera. There are a lot of orbs here right now, but that's OK, because nothing you say or do right now, Q, is going to stop me off all of you. Seriously, I quit. And I had to bleep out a lot of stuff, so beware. I quit Q and Q Army. And the reason why I quit is because on December 19th, 2022, Q refused to acknowledge my Q plus 3730. And I've been doing it for six years. Next year, that means I have to wait for another year. Look at all these orbs. You guys get lost. I'm not coming back. No matter what you do right here with these orbs, just so you know, no matter what happens from here on in Q, I'm not coming back. You're on your own. And in fact, I'm taking down the ET transmissions. F you, F all of you on this planet. All right, I tried to give the ET transmissions to Lara Logan. I tried to give them to Steve Bennett. Lara Logan, Lara Logan, I got a whole bunch of times therefore i'm an i'm a legit journalist Bullshit, lara logan all you can talk about is the at the border you can't talk about the real pandemic of child trafficking none of you can and it's in my e3 tt transmissions q 
you. I'm telling you, Q, the minute I see you, I'm going to punch you in the temple so hard, it's going to knock you out. It didn't have to be this way. It never had to be this way. During the sinking of Atlantis, the Archons took over, and that's how long it's taken you to get back here and do anything at all. And even though you've gotten back here and you sucked everybody into all of this for this long, nothing has happened. No arrests, nothing. We've got yet another election stolen. No! No Q! No! No matter what happens from here on in, I'm not coming back. You blew it. Next year will be seven years of doing disclosure for you. F*** you. And f all you orbs. Get the f*** out of my house. I seriously mean it. Get out. Uh, I don't know what to say about that, guys. I mean, she keeps screaming at Q. Who was just... A guy who started uploading stuff on obscure right-wing social media platforms saying that Trump was going in to uproot the child trafficking deep state that's in Washington that's all Democrats and and then every Republican they don't like also gets thrown into the deep state bubble and she's leaving again saying I'm done with QAnon not because she realizes she's been brainwashed but because certain things in that community aren't going the way that she wants them to. I, I, again, couldn't decipher certain parts of her saying her transmissions and all that um, and the orbs that keep getting brought up. Um, but the one nugget of truth that she brought up was no one's gotten arrested and no one uh, and, and another election was now this is not true, but she says another election was stolen, like that wasn't prevented, like was promised. Trump didn't come and arrest everyone and put them into barges off the coast of Gitmo or whatever, like Jenny Thomas was talking about. That is what I wish she would hold on to. Remember what you just said. None of what Q told you occurred. None of what these conspiracy groups tell you is happening. That's the message. So stop thinking that way, but instead she's taking it as they're also maybe corrupt or they're also bad and I need to go as a lone wolf and uncover the deep state with the eating of babies and drinking of their blood and all that. And it's really unfortunate. And all I felt when watching that, separate from the political thoughts, is sadness. Because I know in my personal life, people like this. I know from other individuals I know in their personal lives, people like this. There's so many people affected by, I think, an inability too many individuals because of our lack of proper education at younger ages, teaching people about what trusted sources, how to verify information looks like. Too many people have gotten through the introduction of the new social media world we're in completely sucked into a black hole of conspiracy thinking and it's so sad it's so brutal to watch and it's why leaders like Trump media leaders like Tucker Carlson can use that we'll say brain malleability to their benefit they can manipulate people's brains and their ideas and their belief systems into helping the media leader or political leaders interests 
So for Tucker Carlson, that's getting a lot of viewers who can't stop watching him and support him. For uh, Trump, that's getting a really hardcore base that believes he's the Lord and Savior, and some of them believe he's still the president somehow, um, as I've talked with people on the ground at rallies, and it's bad. And this right there highlights for someone her age to be believing all of this, it means earlier on in the time in your life where you're supposed to learn how to critically think, how to analyze and understand what credibility means, how to, again, verify if something's a fact or not a fact. And it doesn't mean we won't disagree on stuff still, but we can all agree on some facts and then say, okay, within the context of these facts, what would be a better solution to this problem? And let's have that discussion. This is so beyond that. This is believing that, you know, the sky is red. I mean, this is completely beyond the uh, normal disagreement on minor details and uh, beliefs about the best way government can run. And she clearly was not taught. And that's an indictment, I guess, on our education system, the critical thinking skills to prevent herself from getting into this type of wild, off the rails thinking. And it really is um, unfortunate to see. Thank you all so much for watching and listening to today's show and the last five shows of the week. I hope your holiday season's going great if you're still uh, doing that, approaching the new year. And I will say, tomorrow, Saturday, New Year's Eve, we will have a fantastic bonus show being sent out to you guys. So don't miss it. If you want to get access to the weekly bonus show on Saturdays, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash Luke Beasley. That is patreon.com slash Luke Beasley. It helps to support the show as well as get you extra content. With all that being said, have a wonderful weekend. I'll see you soon.